How do I get to my page? Here we go. Good evening. It's great to see everybody. Welcome to the Brooklyn region. Can you guys see me and hear me clearly? Although I can't see you, I'm just looking at my computer screen right here. But I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I'm just going to get right into the lesson tonight because uh, we have a lot to talk about. The Bible contains a lot of things. And um, it contains promises. When God tells us that he will do many things in our lives, like if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me, that kind of thing. Um, if we seek God first, he will take care of everything else. That's a promise. But many of those promises are conditioned on us trusting him. The Bible also contains a lot of facts where it gives us a lot of details about things that happened in the past. Historical records of time, places, people, if you will. Those are facts. In the Bible, we'll also find commands where he basically tells us to obey what he says. And as a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to Mike Hidalgo Jr. preaching to us on Sunday. He's going to be calling us to obedience. He's going to be talking about the topic, the call to obedience this Sunday. So it's, let's be praying for him. It's going to be a great, great time. Don't heckle him, okay? I was just kidding last Sunday. But don't heckle him. Let's give him a warm Brooklyn welcome back home. And then finally, there are warnings in the scriptures where God tries to tell us to anticipate disaster in the future and gets us to change our behavior and gives us many directives to try and warn off, warn off the disaster that's coming. Remember that God can see the future. And so those warnings are there for our own benefit. So tonight, I want to elaborate on one of those warnings, one that a brother reminded me this afternoon that we don't talk a lot about, even as a church. And so tonight, I want to talk to us about the call to watch out for greed. The call to watch out for greed. For some reason, this thing is obstructing my screen, and I don't know how to move it. Let me try. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Awesome. There is a God in heaven. Awesome. I got it done. So tonight we're going to talk about the call to watch out for greed. You know, in, uh, in Luke chapter 12, I'm just going to get right into it. It says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, God against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This is the parable of the rich fool. Now in our Bibles, you'll see the title over there. You know, those titles were put in by man. Okay, those are not inspired. They were just put there to help reading and finding things in the Bible easier for us. And so the heading is not inspired, but the scriptures are, okay? You and I remember that in the Old Testament, 
the firstborn son got all of the father's estate. That was where the law was set up back in the Old Testament, where the firstborn son got the entire man's inheritance. The rest of them got nothing. And so in this situation, in this story, the, the, somebody approached Jesus and said, tell my brother to share our father's estate with me. It sounds like it's one of the younger guys asking Jesus to talk to the firstborn for him to share the inheritance. And notice what Jesus says. He says, beware, guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. In the NIV, it says, watch out for all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says that you and I need to guard our hearts against all kinds of greed. Again, the implication is there are so many kinds of greed. There isn't just one. There are so many kinds of greed. And Jesus calls us to guard our hearts against all kinds of greed. God knows that money is on our mind a lot. We think about money a lot. We're concerned about how we're going to make ends meet. We're concerned about how we're going to pay our bills. We're concerned about how are we going to have money to, to send our kids to school or to college. We're, we're concerned about how we're going to pay our rent. And so God understands that, yes, um, we, have a, we, have a, we think about and, 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 and talk about money a lot. Money is a lot on our minds. And the truth of it is this. Next to the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke and taught about money more than he did any other topic. I'm going to say that again. Obviously, as you read the Gospels, you know, Jesus would say, oh, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. But next to that, the thing Jesus spoke about the most was money and our attitude towards wealth. God knows that greed will destroy us. Okay? God knows that greed will destroy us. Often, greed opens the door to other sins. And we find ourselves falling farther from God and what he has for our lives. And that's why he's telling us here to guard against every kind of greed. We must be careful as Christians to protect our hearts and minds against greed and to practice being content, okay? Not only to live being satisfied and thankful for what God has given us, but also in being generous in giving, all right? Now, I've said this a lot of times, but I'll say it again tonight as we begin. Growing up, I was extremely worldly. I wanted nice stuff. I was very materialistic. And my mindset growing up was, you know what? I'm going to get a great education so I can make a lot of money. That was the motivation, okay? There was no hiding it. I wanted nice things. That was what it was all about. 
But obviously, studying the Bible changed everything. That was my biggest cost because when I was studying the Bible and realized that I was lost, realized that my education and my future and my making money couldn't be the most important thing, that I had to make it God, that was the cost I had to count. So much so that I even thought, okay, what if God wants me to give all this stuff up and, and preach the gospel? Will I do it? And like I've shared before, the, the, the verse that did it for me was when Jesus says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? I understood that my life on this earth is going to be finite. So even if I make millions of dollars, what good is it? If I die and go to hell, I knew it wasn't going to be worth it. And so we're talking about greed tonight. In the Greek, the word means, please, yeah, please, yeah. The A is silent. It's an insatiable desire to have what others have. That's what greed is. An insatiable desire to have what others have. And so tonight, I'm just going to be going through a lot of scriptures. I will be seeking as I go through them. And at the end, we're going to look at four quick things that we can do and we must do to guard against greed. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Verses 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. In the New Living Translation, it says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And then the NIV that, again, we're very familiar with, it says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. These passages are very convicting. It doesn't say try not to love the world. It says don't do it says we shouldn't love the things of this world and what it offers. I'm going to keep it moving. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I forsake you. Never, sorry, excuse me. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Brothers and sisters, God promises that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And the Hebrew writer is reminding us here to keep our lives free from the love of money. There's nothing wrong with having money. There were people of God in the scriptures that we read about that were wealthy. And God 
bless them and they had money. So we're not talking about you having money or me having money. That's not it. It's the love of money that we got to guard against. Okay. There is nothing wrong in wanting a, a better paying job so you can pay your bills. There's nothing wrong with that. And um, we need to be praying for each other. The question is, why are you wanting the money though? Is it to buy more stuff? Is it to buy a bigger house? Is it to save up to, to be able to send your kids to school? There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Are, are, you, are you wanting to make more money so you can go on nicer vacations? Okay, you know, if, that, is that, if that's what does it for you, it's, it's okay. All right, but there's nothing wrong in money in and of itself. It's the love of money that we have to guard against. You know, God willing, in about two weeks, we're going to be moving into our new place. When I came on tonight, Chloe was like, is that your new place? No, I'm in a hotel room. Uh, the AMA starts tomorrow, the African Missions Association. So I'm in the hotel room. Uh, it starts first thing tomorrow morning. So I said, okay, I need to arrive here early to do midweek from here. So that's where I am. But, but this is not our new place. Okay. Uh, but uh, in the last three years, Sarah and I have gone from a four-bedroom house with an office, separate office, a four-bedroom house with an office and three bathrooms, almost 3,000 square feet. Now we're going to go into a two-bedroom condominium, about 1,200 square feet in the last three years. And that's okay with me. And so, you know, people ask, don't, don't you miss that? It's like my, my mindset is been there, done that. Okay? It's just stuff anyhow. And besides, all this stuff that I have, everything that you have belongs to God anyhow. And we're simply managers, but it calls us to be careful and to watch out for greed because he promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. Some of us are in debt, credit card debt, where we're borrowing money to maintain a certain lifestyle. It doesn't make any sense. We should not be in debt as Christians. If anything, scripture says that the only debt that we have is the continuing debt of loving one another, okay? You don't need four, five, six credit cards. You just don't. All you need is one that you can, you know, put down as a, uh, when they ask you for a credit card, maybe at a hotel or something, or you want to rent a car, that's it. You, you just need one, okay? And again, I always advise people to use it like a debit card. In other words, if you don't have money for something, don't buy it. If somebody asks you to do something and you don't have the means, there's nothing wrong in saying, brother, sister, I can't do that. I don't have the means. That's okay. Again, if you're wanting more money so that you can increase your standard of living, you got a problem. You got to watch out for greed. It's a hard problem. It's a hard issue. Okay, you've heard me say this before. Stop trying to be like the Joneses. Stop trying to, to, to be like your neighbors that you see around that have stuff. The Joneses are broke. Okay, they're broke. Now, you may need to get help to get your finances in order. And so go do it. Go get the help. What are you impressed by? 
I remember many years ago, I was, I was talking to this brother in our church and uh, his older brother was getting married. And so I saw him at church the next service and I said, oh, by the way, how did, your, how did your brother's wedding go? You know what he said to me? He said, oh man, he was so grand. He said the wedding party arrived and they were like in 15 black Mercedes limousines. And I remember thinking, what? But that was what impressed him. And it wouldn't surprise you to, to, for me to say, that guy is no longer following God. Because even from that statement, I could tell, uh-oh, this guy's got problems. Because what impressed him was the fact that, again, the wedding party showed up in 15 black Mercedes Benzes. It was ridiculous. He's no longer a Christian. We need to be very, very careful that we got our hearts against all kinds of greed. We got our hearts against what the world looks at and what people in the world are impressed by. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot. You cannot. I'm going to say it again. You cannot serve both God and money. You can try, but it's not going to work. You see, brothers and sisters, for those of us who are married, we need to model for our children that we're not serving two masters. Our kids are watching us. If anything, we model for them the opposite of greed. That is being content and being generous. Where, you know, your kids do their chores and you give them an allowance where you, you teach them to give some of their monthly allowance to the poor. Say, you know how huh? I'm going out to the grocery store. Can you give me some of that from your piggy bank? And I'm going to buy an extra loaf of bread and, and, and we're going to give it to a poor person. But that's how we teach our kids. Christmas is coming. We can encourage them to use some of their savings and give it to poorer kids. This passage says we cannot love both God and money. Again, you can try, but you are, you are not going to succeed. I am not going to succeed. If I try and serve both God and money, it doesn't work. And so I'm asking us tonight, are you a generous person? You know, trying to buy a home in New York has been a new, and uh, it's been a, a very stressful experience. Let me explain to you what I mean. In the South, both in Georgia and in Texas, when you want to buy a house or sell a house, the, the practice is the, the, the agents share the commission. For instance, you say you want to buy a house. The, the seller is going to, the, the, uh, the, the agents will share that commission 50-50. Come find out in New York, there are agents that would say, no, I, I'm not sharing the commission with you. I was like, what? That's just greed, as far as I'm concerned. That's all it is. It's, it's greed. And so it's, it's, been, it's been an eye-opener, okay? Sellers, excuse me, seller's agent's not willing to share the commission with the buyer's agent. And so, you know, uh, in our case, the guy said, I'll give you 1%. So Sarah and I have to pay the other, the other percentage. And I, I, I'm, I'm fine doing that. 
But you see, what I don't understand when, when people do this and, 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 and they're so greedy is that they think this money is going to make them happy. And it's actually going to do the opposite that we're going to find out in a second. Okay? You and I remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Greed was the root sin with Ananias and Sapphira. The deceit before Peter was later, but greed was the root of their sin. They kept back some of the money for themselves. They gave the impression they had given everything. And the story is in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. Brothers and sisters, greed was also the root of the sin of Judas, Judas Iscariot, the guy who, excuse me, who betrayed Jesus. He got 30 pieces of silver for his betrayal. He said, how much is that? It was enough to buy land. Remember, you know, you know, the, you know the story at the end of the Gospels. You know, he felt some remorse and he went back to the Sanhedrin. He says, man, you know, and he threw the money in and back at them. And he left and went and took his own life. And the Sanhedrin said, we can't put this back into the, into the offering. And they used that money to go buy a cemetery where they used to bury foreigners. And that was, it's in the Bible. 30 pieces of silver was a lot of money. It was enough to buy land. But again, greed was at the root of Judas's betrayal. Greed will mess up your relationship with God. And that's why we got to guard our hearts against it. This is a salvation issue, brothers and sisters. We got to guard our hearts against it. I've shared this one, I'll share it again. I moved to Boston in 1988. And a few months later, the elders asked me to give the full-time ministry a try. I'd been looking for work and I couldn't find work. I was qualified. Here I was, I had, a, I had a bachelor's in accounting, I had an MBA in accounting, I had a law degree. I was looking for work as a corporate, law, as a corporate lawyer. People would talk to me about going to the ministry and I'm now, I've seen the minister's job and I don't want it. I'm gonna make a lot of money and I'll give it away. Other people can go, other people can go preach. And I was asked to come into the ministry and I prayed and I fasted and I cried my eyes out. And I finally surrendered and said, God, if this, is what you, if this is what you want me to do with the rest of my life, here I am. Because deep down inside, I knew. If I, kept, if I kept on working or finding work or doing work as a corporate lawyer, it was just going to be a question of time before I, I left God. Because the draw was still there. It was very much there. And I gave it up. And I am confident that if I had not gone into the ministry and stayed out in the world, and yes, as a Christian, I would have left, I would have, I would have fallen away long time ago. There's no question about it for me. I just know it. Proverbs 11, 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. I love this. Says you trust in your riches, you're going to fall. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but you are going down. Because the Bible does happen. The Bible does come true. But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. How about this one? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. 
In the NIV, it says, dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. In the New Living Translation, it says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Brothers and sisters, we got to guard our hearts. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. That's Proverbs 15, 16. Proverbs 18, 11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Hmm. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They think that wall cannot be scaled. Like I said earlier, there were some really prominent people of God in scripture with money, and they were very wealthy. Remember Abraham? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it actually says Abraham was very rich. He wasn't just rich. He was very rich. Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. Because Abraham was able to pass down his wealth to Isaac. Isaac was able to pass it down to Jacob. My prayer is that by the time we are done on this earth, we're going to be able to pass down the wealth God has blessed us with to our kids and to God's church so that the gospel can continue to be preached. Again, there is nothing wrong in having wealth. The question is how we use it. It is the greed the Bible constantly addresses because wanting more can and will mess up our relationship with God. You remember King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23? He was another rich guy. As a matter of fact, King Solomon was tremendously rich in both wealth and wisdom. In addition to collecting taxes, he would receive 25 tons of gold every year. 25 tons. I don't know how much that is, but it sounds like a lot. All his cups and utensils were made of gold. That was how wealthy Solomon was. He was wiser and richer than any other ruler of his time. Solomon's wealth, we're told, in today's dollars, would be over $1 trillion. Over $1 trillion in today's dollars. Let us remember, not, never forget, it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. You'll find that reference in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. Job was also very wealthy. Joseph of, of Arimathea. He was one of Jesus' disciples. He was wealthy. He was the one who gave up his tomb and allowed Jesus to be buried inside his tomb in Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. He was a rich man. So again, there's something wrong in being rich and being a Christian. That's not the issue. Excuse me. The issue is the greed that we've got to watch out for. Another example of somebody that was prominent in the Bible that had money was Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 17. The Bible says he, he sold a piece of land that he had. He, he was, his nickname was Son of Encouragement. And he gave it. Lydia, in Acts chapter 16, was a dealer in purple cloth. Purple is the color of royalty. And she sold purple cloth. She was a very wealthy person. But she was a disciple and a faithful one. So again, I'm saying all this because 
having money necessarily doesn't mean, you know, it's bad. But the question is, what are you doing with that money that God has blessed you with? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I love this illustration. It says, cast but a glance at riches. You, 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 you snap your fingers, and they're gone. You know, it's like, our riches will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Okay? And then Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 49, you can write this reference down. Psalm 49, verses 16 to 20. Psalm 49, 16 to 20, tells us not to envy the rich. This is a command, not a nice suggestion. It commands us not to envy the rich. When you see rich people on television, when you see rich people in the movies, when you see rich people who drive by you, do you envy them? The other day we were on the highway and uh, I was driving, Sarah was in the um, driver's seat, passenger seat, and this SUV just went by me. And I said, wait a second, that's a black SUV Lamborghini. I'd never seen one before. I didn't even know they made them in SUVs and it just went right by me, boom. And there was a guy in a BMW following him, trying to keep up with him. I didn't envy the guy. I just don't. One day, that guy is going to be old. I'm happy for him. But you and I cannot envy the rich. Proverbs 28 verse 22. Greedy people try to get rich quick. But do not realize they are headed for poverty. I'm going to read that again. Proverbs 28 verse 22. Greedy people try to get rich quick. But they don't realize they are headed for poverty. Brothers and sisters, we need to guard our hearts. I love this one. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. This is a saying of Argo. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 to 9. It says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I, became, or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Again, the idea is where there's a balance. This guy's prayer was, Father, give me poverty. Don't give me poverty. Don't give me riches. Just give me my daily bread. Very, very important. First Timothy chapter 6, in verse 17. First Timothy 6, verse 17 and 18. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly blesses us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And so as we wrap this up tonight, brothers and sisters, what is God saying to us as Americans 
2022. I believe that as a country and as a nation, we're very rich. We live in the most prosperous country on the face of the earth. You say, well, I'm not rich. Yes, you are. Yeah, you may not be Jeff Bezos rich. You, you may not be Elon Musk rich. You may not be Mark Zuckerberg rich, but you are rich compared to most of this world. And so what is God saying to us? Remember, Jesus said it is very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He's talking to us. He's not talking necessarily to, 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 to Bill Gates and all these very super wealthy people. He's talking to us. And so what is God saying in 1 Timothy chapter 6? He's saying four things. Here are the four things God wants us to do as Christians with money and wealth and not to be arrogant. Number one, not to be arrogant. Say, don't become arrogant. Yes, we should work hard. And there's, there's something wrong in being successful in life. Whatever it is you're doing, whether you're in IT, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a teacher, you know, uh, whether you are, I don't know, whatever it is you're doing, you're a lawyer, just go for it. Be the best you can be. But just make sure that it's not greed motivating you to wanting to make money. Be, be careful that you don't look down on others when you reach that position, so to speak. Because remember, where all the blessings that you have come from, that apartment you own, that house you may have, that nice car you're driving, it all belongs to God. It's all from God. And so when God puts you at that level, don't be looking down on other people. You don't have the right. Because God can take it away from you just like that. One of the things that's very convicting a lot of times that you hear is, you know, they'll be interviewing a homeless person and they'll tell you that, oh, yeah, I used to have a job. I had an apartment. I had a home. And now I'm homeless. And that can be you. That can be me in a heartbeat very quickly. And that's why we cannot look down on people. We cannot be arrogant. Don't think of yourself as better because of your material wealth. Don't do it because you're not. Remember, it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. I just, I referenced it a few minutes ago, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. Okay. Number two, don't put your hope in your wealth. Again, I'm going to repeat that passage I just read. Proverbs 23 verse 5. It says, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So you can't put your hope in wealth. It's going to be gone. Number three, be rich in good deeds. A good deed is a free and voluntary act we do for others without expecting anything back. We're a very generous church. We're a very generous ministry. But not all of us are generous. Not all of us are giving. We're going to talk about that some more in a few weeks. Yes, we made special contribution. We made the goal. Would it surprise you if I told you that half our church did not give special contribution? Half. That's a lot of people. And that's why we've got to guard our hearts against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance 
of his possessions. We need to use our wealth to help other people. The Bible commands us to do good to those who belong to the family of believers. And number four, finally, it says be generous and be willing to share. Generous people are the happiest people. Think about it. No one likes to be around people who only take. We are called to honor God with our wealth. I shared it before, I'll share it again. When we lived in Texas, I woke up one morning and um, I, wrote a letter, I wrote a letter to Oprah Winfrey. And uh, I put it on our church letterhead and I signed it. I even included a copy of my book. I just read my book at the time. And I sent it to her. And all I did was thank her for our philanthropy and our generosity. She's a very, very generous woman. She sent a lot, of, a lot of black young men and women to school. She built a huge uh, school down in uh, South Africa that's still, going, that's still going on. Yes, she's a, she's a billionaire, but she's using that money to help a lot of people. I woke up this morning, and as I lay there in my bed, just thanking God for waking me up this morning, something in my spirit said, you know what, Richard, write to Shaquille O'Neal. And I'm going to write to him. I'm going to send I'm going to send a letter to TNT. I know where TNT is. The address is on the on, on Google in Atlanta. Basketball is about to begin, so he's going to be in studio. And I'm I'm going to write a letter to him and I'm, and I'm going to thank him for his also his generosity. Shaq is a, is a is a wonderful fellow. I've never met him. And I started to pray this morning that I, I will have a one-on-one meeting with him. I'm just going to write the letter, introduce myself, and thank him for his generosity. And I say, oh, by the way, I live in Brooklyn, New York. If you're in town, look me up. I'd love to do lunch. I'll even buy you lunch. But something my spirit just told me to do this morning, and I, I'm going to do it. And just write to him. But I'm going to be thanking him for his generosity. When Shark walks into a department store, he always buys something for somebody in there. That's his practice. You know, you walk into a store and you see Shark, and he's like, let me pay for that. And you may, you may have this big screen TV in your, in, your, in your car and he'll pay for it and just walk out. That's the kind of guy he is. That's the kind of people we need to be and, and, and continue to become, okay? We need, to, we need to share our wealth. We need to be generous and be willing to share. I also have here uh, some further scriptures that, we, that I love for us to look at. For the sake of the recording, I'm gonna mention them. Proverbs chapter 10, verse two. Proverbs 10, two. Proverbs 16, 8, Proverbs 16, 8, Proverbs 20, verse 7, Proverbs 27, Jeremiah 17, 11, Jeremiah 17, 11, Micah 2, verses 1 to 3, Micah 2, verses 1 to 3, Ephesians 4, verse 28, Ephesians 4, verse 28. There's so many scriptures that talk about money and our attitudes towards money and for us to guard against greed, okay? So I'm hoping that we'll look this up also, and that will further cross-reference them. Uh, this, is a, this is an issue that the Bible talks about a lot. And yes, as a church, we may not talk about it a lot, but tonight I wanted us to talk about the call to watch out for greed. We need to guard our hearts against all kinds of greed. The Bible says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, we're all going to heaven as, as children of God, we are, we are, we are going to have a mansion on the other side that there's not going to be any mortgage on. You know, it's going to be tremendous. Where everything is going to be new every day. 
That's what I'm looking forward to. Everything that we acquired in this world is going to stay here. And at some point, according to scripture, it's all going to burn up. And so what's the, what's the point of all this stuff? What's the point of, of being greedy and, and going after worldly things? It's all temporary. And so, brothers and sisters, let's, 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 let's watch out for greed. Let's guard our hearts. And let's use the resources that God has given us and has blessed us with to his glory. Again, uh, Sunday morning, Mike Hidalgo Jr. will be our guest speaker. Uh, let's be inviting our friends. Let's be praying for him. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous time as he preaches to us uh, this, uh, this Sunday. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. And so I'm going to ask uh, Brother Randolph James to close us out with a word of prayer. And after that, Jimmy is going to put us in our breakout rooms. Let's have a great time of fellowship. God bless you all. Hey, everybody, let's pray.